Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, English teacher and school principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at at Sarah S.A. Johnson. Be sure to subscribe to the In Awe Podcast so you can join me each week as I feature women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to the In Awe Podcast, our final episode on what has been an inspiring, hope-filled, joyous series. I have learned from each of our incredible guests in the series, and I know you have been enjoying them too, my friends. Today's guest will close out with a huge smile. Kenzie Coleman is a student at Baker University, double majoring in mass media and theater. She is a fierce young woman full of self-knowledge and self-acceptance, knowing where she is going and who she is taking with her on that journey. Though she suffers from ADD, depression, and anxiety, she has learned to invest well in what serves her spirit as an independent and loving person. As a member of the LGBTQ community, Kenzie strives to be a voice, especially for those who do not have one. In this episode, we discuss Kenzie's dreams and aspirations in the acting field, her journey to self-awareness and acceptance, the impact her connection with her family and her childhood has had on who she is today, and her hope for a bright future. You are going to love every moment of this interview, my friends. I know I did. There is something so special about Kenzie, and our conversation flowed as if we've been lifelong friends. Her ability to understand her personal strengths and challenges, to articulate them in a way that teaches us is extraordinary for a young woman in her 20s. What a gift I get to share Kenzie Coleman's youthful voice with you today. Welcome, Ms. Kenzie Coleman, to the In Awe Podcast. I am so excited to have you on the show, and I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. I am so excited to do this with you as well. It's so fun because it's been a while coming, and I can't wait to unpack that for the listeners in terms of our connection. But I want you to be able to share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and your current context so they can get to know you a little bit better. Yes, of course. So I am currently a student at Baker University in Kansas. Um, It's a little town in Baldwin City, Kansas. Um, But I am studying theater and mass media. I'm a double major. Um, So I plan to work in a video production field while possibly auditioning for television and movies on the side to be a professional actress. Um, But I am also involved in our tea organization, which is Total Equality Alliance for the LGBT community. Um, I am involved in Mangano, which is a like people of color group and representation for diversity on our school and things like that. So yeah, I'm also I also work at the gas station in town. So I'm a very busy person. <laughs> That's awesome. I am just seriously beaming over here because I want listeners to hear that Kenzie and I have been connected. We've never been able to have a conversation, but it's almost like I've stalked you through <laughs> through your mom (laughs) over a couple of years and regular listeners of the podcast will uh, recognize the last name Coleman. Uh, Approximately a year and a half ago, I had my friend Kristen Coleman on the podcast and she was on our new beginning series and she was actually really early in the podcast. And at that time she had said, you know, Sarah, have you ever thought about having younger women on this podcast? And I was like, well, yeah, but so it's fun because here we are almost two years later and I have this series on youth and Kenzie's always been one on my mind that I thought I've got to get her on. And I'm just laughing, Kenzie, because you wouldn't know this. 
in any way possible. But when I started out in college, I was all about, I had broadcast journalism, but I was all about theater and uh, mass media. I mean, I remember that class was one of my favorites. So it's so funny to hear that your path right now is kind of where mine was 20 years ago. <laughs> that is crazy. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, you wouldn't, right? So it's awesome. But you're way cooler than I've ever been. So I just want to make sure the listeners get to hear about all the great experiences that you've had to lead you to this point. And I really love how you shared about your passion and your focus on, you know, equity, equality, all that good stuff. So I know that the listeners are just going to absolutely love you, but I wanted to make sure that they heard that you are connected to your mama. <laughs> yes. So it's now Kristen Kraft. I know. Isn't that amazing? Right. Do you want to share a little bit about your mom and kind of your experience hearing the podcast and what you thought at the time? Um, yeah. So she showed me the podcast. I think we were driving to, we were driving somewhere and she just pulled it up and it was just really awesome to talk because a lot of people don't realize that I didn't live with my mom for four years. Um, so I feel like we had a little bit of a gap. And so listening to this podcast was such a really great way for like us to talk and like to just bond over like who we are as women because we're very, very similar to one another. Um, it's very scary. I brought a friend home the other day and he was like, you are a duplicate of your mother. <laughs> so <laughs> It was just a great way to like talk about things like what you guys did talk about in that podcast and have a really great conversation with each other. And what a beautiful example right now. We have you featured in the series in youth. And I just love it because it's like our lives are so inextricably tied to one another. And when we look at through the lens of our roles, you know, you're a daughter, she's a mother and you're women. And I know um, without talking, you know, behind her back too much publicly, I just know how much she loves you yes. and adores you and respects you as a young woman. And I just yes. have found the way she relates to you as her daughter it's very similar to how I would love to be able to do with my own daughters in the future to, you know, look at the space that you're in now in your 20s and just see this beautiful woman. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, it's true. And through her and through, you know, her pride in you and through what she has shared and how I connect with you now both of you on social media, I just think it's a really cool connection. I think you have a lot to to teach us in regard to those relationships. So why don't we dive in a little bit and just talk about your your history? I know one of the things about you is that you have been a person who performs. So <laughs> do you want to share a little bit about your performance background? Yeah. So um, I got into theater, actually. Um, it's kind of a fun story. Um, but my mom put, was a high school principal, and she put me in the high school's production because they needed children for Susical and Musical. And um, the performance was the week of my brother's birth. So <laughs> my brother was born, but I still had to perform for the high school. So it was a really crazy experience, but I absolutely fell in love with it. I was like the leader of the children's band and the musical. And when we moved right after that, I was doing um, Christian Youth Theater, and which is a little organization in Wichita. And then I did it in middle school and fell in love with it. And then when I got to high school is where I really like got a passion for it and was like spent all of my time in the theater. I was president of our theater, like our thespians. I was a state board representative. So I was in charge of like planning the events for the overall thespian festival for Kansas and planning events, making sure that like we had this event where like 
or like this thing where you could write um, partners' names on like rubber duckies, like Romeo and Juliet, and you had to buy a duck and then find your pair throughout the entire conference. <laughs> so I wrote on like all of the ducks and put those out. So it's just been a really big journey for me. I've done a lot of very exciting roles. Um, I played Ponyboy Curtis. That was a really big one for me. I have a tattoo that says Stay Gold on me now because it was very important to me. Always been my favorite book, my favorite movie. And so to play Ponyboy Curtis was a really big deal. And I knew I wanted to continue it in college. So now I'm here and getting ready to perform another show. Tonight's opening night. So I'm very excited about that. But I'm doing big things and I love it. That's awesome. And before we move off from that, do you want to share a little bit about that show in the background? And by the way, thank you for having this conversation with me when you got opening night. That's so exciting. (laughs) Yeah, yes, of course. Yeah. So um, the show this year is very different, obviously, with the pandemic going on. Um, So we wanted to bring light to the pandemic. And we chose three shows there. It's a collection of one acts. So we chose three one acts written during the pandemic by people um, to perform. And then the rest of the show was written by us as actors. So it was kind of my first chance to write in theater, which is something I hadn't done before. You know, I've directed, I've acted, I've stage managed, I've done design, but I've never written for theater. So this was a great opportunity. And um, I'm a very positive person. I love being positive. So when we went into our devised practices to, you know, write these pieces, Uh, everybody had really negative things to say about the pandemic. But personally, I loved quarantine and getting to just think and be by myself. I'm very introverted. I love to just, I don't know, I like to be busy, but I like to do it on my own terms. I like to be with myself and my thoughts. And so I loved quarantine. It was a great way to just recharge. And so I got to write about a more positive side of the pandemic, which was nice to share because it's it's a little negative sometimes, and I don't think it always needs to be. <laughs> oh my goodness! I no wonder I love you so much. I mean, I, you said you and your mom are exactly alike, but oh man, there's so much about you that just makes me so happy. So <clears throat> I love that you take that. You know, there's that positive take, and I also heard you say that you like to be alone and and spend time with yourself, and and you're introverted. So one of the things I also know about you is that you do at a young age have high level of self-awareness. And I know that because you just said you're introverted, but you also have engaged in the Enneagram. And I know that because your mom and I talked about it. (laughs) So do you want to share a little, any insight about yourself through that particular lens? So I am obsessed with the Enneagrams. And I think it is such a great describe like way to describe myself. Um, Because I'm an eight, I'm a challenger. Um, So I love the, um, like, I'm gonna do this, um, but I have to do it for myself kind of an attitude. Like, I don't live my life for other people and helping other people necessarily. I love to help people, but at the end of the day, I need to do what's best for myself and my family. Um, so that's where I really resonate with the challenger. And um, it, it plays a huge part into how I grew up because I moved, I've moved 15 times now um, at the age of 20, I've moved 15 times. And a big part of the reason I am the challenger is because I moved so much and I had to learn how to read people and see if they were people that I needed in my life because they weren't going to be there for very long. I knew I was going to move. So why would I take the time to, you know, invest myself in something that people weren't going to stick around for? Like they weren't going to take the time to continue being my friend when I moved. Um, so it allowed me, it made me put up a lot of walls and, um, but I, 
have become a very strong eight and a healthy eight. And I realize now like what I want from life. Um, and I have a lot of passions and things like that. And a lot of my friends are also twos, the helpers, because I find that they balance me out very well. And I don't think I have any friends who are eights because we're too headstrong for one another. And that's just kind of what I've seen throughout it is I, I like that balance of people being like, oh, well, this is how we can work together as a group because the challenger is very much a lone figure. And so it's a nice just melding of the two. <laughs> you are just making me beam. I know listeners are probably loving this. Um, first of all, because the fact that you said you moved 15 times, was that, you know, was there any particular reason for that that you'd like to share or do we just let that hang? No, actually, it's because of my mom. Um, she's a principal and she always um, liked getting new experiences of schools. It's kind of common for principals to move around. Um, so she did a lot of different things with different schools. You know, she's a middle school principal, high school principal. She worked for the secondary education board. Um, so we moved a lot because of her. And um, she, they always feel, my parents always feel kind of bad about moving all the time. But to me, I think it made me who I am. And I am very thankful for the times that we moved because I think it really built me into a good character. Well, and this is what I love about you because what I'm already picking up, um, because I'm a huge enthusiast of the Enneagram, is that you're likely a wing seven. Have you dived into it that much to know? Yep. Okay. <laughs> 100% a wing seven. Yep. I'm a wing seven because my my nine, when I took the test, you know, it gives you all your percentages. My nine was a nine, a 7%, not even a 9%, a 7%, the peacemaker. So I'm very much a seven. <laughs> so it's kind of fun because you, you said you're 20. And I know a lot of the studying that I've done is the beautiful part is there's a really strong belief system out there that you get your second wing in like your second half of life. So at some point that'll, you know, tame out and maybe you'll enjoy <laughs> some of that peacemaking <laughs> wing that you have. Yeah. But yeah. For now, it's so fun because you just, you already talked about the fact that you, you know, want to see the positive and that's very much a seven thing. And I'm hearing you also, you know, share about all of the adventures that you have and the multiple passions you have. And you're passionate about, of course, equity, but you're passionate about um, performing and all of these other things that you have going on. So that's totally a seven thing too. I just love how well you know yourself and you're able to articulate that. And I also wanted to point out, because we're just, we're in a school of listeners a little bit here that don't know about the Enneagram, mm -hmm. that you also shared that, well, in my childhood, it was this. And so we know that a lot of our core tendencies come from that space of our childhood, but you're at such a really cool space where you're already like, yeah. you know, you're 20 and you're youthful, yet you have this deep level of understanding of yourself and maybe, you know, why you came about. It's just so healthy to be able to have those conversations and to think those things through. You're on such a good path, my friend, really. Thank you. And I love the eights. You know, I'm a seven wing eight. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that. Well, no wonder I think you're amazing. So anyway, it's so good. Uh, and I wanted to be able to just step back a little bit too, because you focused on your theater performance, but you're also a well-accomplished dancer. You want to talk about that chapter of your life? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I started dancing when I was about three years old. Um, competitive, competitively, I think it's seven or eight. It was right after my brother was born and we moved. Um, and... I was not a natural born dancer. My mom very much was, but I was not. Um, I really pushed myself hard to be good at it because I wanted to be. I loved doing it, but I wasn't naturally gifted. So I would just push myself like no other 
to be good at it. And then in, um, I think seventh grade is when I really took off in dance. And it was when we had just moved back to Emporia and my parents were fully ready to take me out of dance because I wasn't really, you know, improving or seeming like I liked it. And I was really challenged and a lot of people made me feel bad about my dancing. So my initial response was, I'm going to prove all of you wrong. Um, Mm. And I did. I really stepped up my game and there were so many people like parents that came up to my mom and were like she's a whole new dancer because I just I didn't like when people assumed that I I wasn't going to be good enough so I pushed myself even more than I already was and I had a really extreme growth in dance but that year I also had an extreme setback because that was the year I um got my hip injury, which I still have. It's a permanent injury in my hip that will never go away until I get surgery, a hip replacement when I'm older. Um, So I had this huge growth and then immediately got set back because I couldn't move my leg anymore. Um, So I really had to fight a lot that year. And I just kept growing from there. And then in high school, I became co-captain of the dance team. And um, I moved studios a lot, but um, that was just because I moved and Every time I moved studios, I just grew even more. And then I came to college and did competitive dance here for a year, but had to quit because my injury just got too severe and I was wanting to focus more on theater. Well, that's so awesome because we both know that that dance chapter of your life would certainly impact your ability to rise to challenges and perform. And there's that deeply embedded um performer in you from all of those opportunities that you had. It just gave you a chance to, you know, rise up through those challenges. Yeah. You know, you also mentioned, I love hearing how well aware you are of this piece of it, of when you were, when somebody told you no, you're like pressing up against that as a tip. That's a standard eight <laughs> behavior in the Enneagram. I love it so much. Yeah. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Yep. Um, but I also noticed like you've, you talked a lot about moving and you mentioned how, you know, your mom is a principal and she also was in district office. And as you said, did so many different things, but I know that it, she shared in the podcast with new beginnings, how challenging it was for her to make the decision. And we've talked about this before that you stayed in high school. She ended up shifting to a new school, but then that's where you weren't living together. Correct. Correct. Yep. So that was an opportunity for you to hang in one place, your high school career. Correct. Yeah. Yep. My dad was staying in Emporia. So I chose to stay with him because I was tired of moving schools, didn't want to have to, um, remake friends and, um, I don't know, just reset. I wasn't ready to do that. I would rather finish out where I knew people knew me. Makes a lot of sense. And I, I love how those stories too kind of come together. Um, because we never, and I know you are going to understand this and you already do that. We never stop being our, like ourselves when we have our roles. And you know, that's just a constant struggle for women, I think. And I know this for a fact, all my listeners are predominantly in their forties and fifties. They are predominantly professional, um, women and they, we all have struggled. We all, and you will, we can talk about this. You you probably already have in terms of what your future looks looks like when you have a family and you're a working professional uh, achievement oriented person, like I know your mom is <laughs> right? As a three, like yeah. trying to figure out that <clears throat> ever critical balance for our roles. And so I just love hearing how all of that is kind of threading through and weaving through your story. And it really has grown you into this beautiful independent spirit 
And so I want to hear a little bit more about, you know, you shared that you were careful about the relationships you built. I know that you've processed through this in regard to the types of friends you have, but there's a healthy space that you're in now in these college years about friendships. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. So when I was in high school, I had, um, I was that person who was friends with anybody. Um, it wasn't like I had a very specific friend group. So I never had like one person to turn to in a time of like need or anything like that, but it never bothered me in high school. Cause well, I'd never had that before. So I didn't know what it would be like to have that. And then, um, I'm also a very blunt, honest person, um, in a kind, a kind way. It's not like I have no filter, but, um, if people want honesty, I'm going to give it to them. Um, I don't like sugarcoating things. I just like to get to the point. And a lot of people in high school feared that from me and thought I was this mean person. And then I would take initiative to, you know, talk to them and apologize. Like if I hurt their feelings, like I may not be sorry for what I said, but if I would hurt their feelings, like that hurts me. I, that was never my intent. Um, and so a lot of people just didn't understand that about me. And then I was very successful and a lot of them weren't, a lot of them weren't going to leave Emporia. And so I think it was a lot of just jealousy aimed at me, uh, which took a long time for me to understand, you know, I always thought I was the problem. Um, but it took a lot of reflecting to realize that people, jealousy gets in the way. Jealousy is a big thing. So when I came to college, you know, I kind of expected the same thing. I didn't change anything about myself because I didn't want to. I was who I was and people, if they wanted to like it, they would. And I found the greatest group of friends here. My best friend, Lexi, like she's always going to have my back. She's my person through and through my twin flame. Um, I have so many great friends in theater. Um, I have two other best friends named Barry and Aaron who always have my back. And you just know when you get those special people in your life that are actually, that actually care about you, it makes a difference and makes you realize kind of what you had before or or what you didn't have before. And I'm just really thankful for how the friendships I did get in college. It really made me realize that, you know, people are going to be there for me and support me. That's so good. And it is challenging. Um, especially when you, have this identity that you're so confident about, but that doesn't always manifest the same way for everybody. And I love hearing you talk about how you're blunt and you're an introvert and all of these things about yourself that might not be everybody's cup of tea. And that's really hard in those teenage years. I think anytime, honestly, we just, we've, we want to belong. <laughs> and yes, we do. yeah, when you feel like you don't belong, it's, it's really hard, but I clearly you found some really beautiful spaces for yourself. And I love that. I know there's nothing tighter than a, than a theater troupe, you know, (laughs) right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. All right. So I guess one of the things that I do want to speak with you about too, is this, this vulnerability and like knowing yourself, you are such a self-aware, well-spoken, thoughtful person, but I know that you have recently revealed and shared, you know, with the world and your mom and everybody, uh, a piece of you that you hadn't up until fairly recently. Do you want to talk a little bit about your experience recently and identity and kind of sharing that more? Yeah. So um, I'm a part of the LGBT community. And so over quarantine, I came out to my parents, um, both of which were like, yeah, we knew. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) I I guess that was good to know. But I'd always kind of known, like, it was something I never was scared of, I guess, but it was hard to be vulnerable about it, especially in Kansas where, I don't know, people are not as accepting of that, which 
sucks, but, um, you know, in high school, I was always very much a part of, um, like GSA, I was the president of that and the gay straight Alliance and being a voice for people who didn't have it or people who were scared, because I always knew that when I would come out, it would be accepting. Like my dad is, he, I didn't even come out to him. He asked me (laughs) and he cornered me about it. And he was like, are you gay? And I was like, oh, um, yeah, is that okay? And he was like, well, I've known for like five years, but (laughs) so yeah, it's fine. (laughs) But Mm. it's, it was a, I always knew it would be good, but I know a lot of people don't have that like positive thing at home, you know? So I always Mm -hmm. tried to be that at school. And like in high school, I worked very closely with people to try and get gender neutral bathrooms in our school so people could feel safe. And we had a like resource place where people could shower or get food if they didn't have it at home. And so just little things like that. And I'm involved in the same thing here at campus. Well, it's really beautiful that you can rise up and be confident to be a voice for others and also to share that example of how you could do it for yourself, but it took you some time. And I can only imagine the -hmm. the vulnerability involved in that and the challenge. Um, And I, and I can tell you that those that are listening educators, you know, we strive to do inclusive spaces, but we need voices too and leadership like yours. And I'm glad that you were willing to share that on the podcast because, um, you know, living in our own skin, it can be hard enough anyway, but living in our own skin when we're part of a community that's considered a minority. And as you mentioned too, you know, being in Kansas, wherever you are locationally, that, that can be a challenge. And so I'm very glad, again, just another example, you can not only accept yourself, but work toward helping others through their own process, you know, to a degree. And it's not that it's on you. It doesn't have to be on you, but that you've chosen to take up that mantle is pretty awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So, all right. (laughs) I think there's just so much more we can cover, but I also want to hear, you know, what is it that you feel as a youth, you know, what do you have big plans for your future? I know that you said you want to do eventually into video creation and and all of that, but what what has you hopeful about our future or your future or the future? Um, I just think we're ever growing. And I think that I can be a big part of that, you know, anybody can be a big part of that. But like, in the things I want to do, like video creation, I would love to do videos for, you know, those minorities. Um, Especially I grew up in a town where I was the minority as a white person, which is really weird to say, but my town was primarily Hispanic. Um, And so I really got to see those issues and things like that. And so I would love to focus on any sort of minority group, you know, homelessness or um, people of color and things like that. And in my video production, um, hearing their stories, because I think that's so important. We don't hear enough stories from them. And as a media major, we talk about it now, how there's such a lack of like, real stories in television shows about certain groups. And I would love to have those stories be told and things like that. And I can be a part of a change. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, Kenzie, because this entire podcast is a huge part of that is representation, right? And when I started the podcast out of a calling that I had spiritually, but really it also ties into the fact that women um, in leadership and in um, speaking and in podcasts remain a minority as a group. And then of course, when you start to peel apart subgroups within that, 
um, we don't have representation uh, for our sub subgroups. And so I'm super excited that you're that you're in that space and it's a, a place to impact masses and you're going to be able to use all of this beautiful gift and talent that you've been given and that you have also worked very hard to refine over time. And I know that you have so much to offer and I can't wait to continue to see it blossoming. <laughs> Thank you. Get ready world. We're going to see Kenzie Coleman's name. <laughs> That's awesome. So, all right. Well, we've coming to the end of our podcast, which makes me sad because I'm just enjoying so much time with you. Um, and, and I know that listeners are going to want to continue engaging with you. So of course we'll make sure how, that they know how to get a hold of you. But in the meantime, we have our two standard questions for this podcast. Are you ready to hear them? Yep. Okay. So the first one is if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? Um, I would definitely say, don't be scared of who you are. You know, I did fear myself for a while because I didn't understand like that I could be this honest person and be this confident person who doesn't really have a lot of insecurities because I don't like I don't want to waste my time on being insecure about things I can't change you know self-accept like you can always say that you love yourself but you have to be able to accept that this is who you are you at the end of the day you're never going to love every single part of yourself but you can accept that this is who you are and that you're not going to change anything so to just be vulnerable and accept who you are. Like, don't be scared of who you are because you are you and you can't get much better than that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Spoken from a, a really wise young woman who has actually put in the work to do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's one of the things that we struggle with. We don't, um, you know, we do not often see ourselves in our most beautiful versions. We tend to find ourselves mm -hmm. from the deficit version, especially depending upon you know, where we're coming from and what life has thrown at us, but it's really wise coming from you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your continued wisdom. How about this one? If listeners find themselves in a pit of fear or doubt, what could you say to them to help them rise up out of it? Be vulnerable. I know it's so corny and it's said so often. And like, I know myself, I've gotten frustrated when people say be vulnerable as an actor, because how do you be vulnerable? Um, it's a hard thing to do, but, um, Sometimes in the face of fear, the greatest thing can happen. And I think that's really important to remember because, I mean, I struggle so much with being vulnerable in my acting and I've pushed myself beyond boundaries. Like last year, I was in a play where it was all about vulnerability and I was constantly being pushed, saying that I wasn't getting into my character because I wasn't being vulnerable. And I did exercises where I did this one exercise, which it sounds very dark and depressing, but it worked for the role where I had to give a monologue about what I would say if my mother passed away and I was talking to her grave or something like those vulnerable moments where you're just saying everything about yourself. And like we sat in a circle and told each other like our deepest, darkest secrets, um, to be vulnerable with each other. And I just think that those moments are great and can lead to some of the greatest things because I get told constantly that that was the best role I ever did because I was vulnerable and I took the time to teach myself to be vulnerable. So I just think it can lead to something bigger than you would have ever expected and something you could have missed out on had you not been vulnerable. I love that example. And I think that it's really fun to hear the insight that you have into developing your craft as your, it's not just a passion. You are learning to become a professional performer and you mm -hmm. already are, but you're, yeah. you know, just gave a perfect example about that deep level of empathy that 
actors and actresses need to develop. And I just, it made me smile so big thinking about that. And I know that listeners of this podcast, regular listeners hear the word vulnerable a lot. And it's because it's, well, it's what we need to do, right? And and they all know that I'm a huge fan of Brené Brown's work on vulnerability. And we've just talked about that in order to, you know, be in a space of belonging to ourselves, to people around us, we need to be vulnerable. Otherwise it's not real and it's not true. And it's not, um, you know, the versions of ourselves that we can embrace the most. So I just wanted to pour into you and just say that your wisdom is exceptional. It is beyond your years. If I'm sure you've been told that before yeah. <laughs> and it's refreshing. It really is. So Kenzie, I just want to thank you from the deepest bottom of my heart. Just thank you for coming on, for being so willing and excited and passionate and vulnerable to do it. And I wish you to break every leg that you have tonight. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Because we know we can't say it any other way. And um, would you just share with the listeners, I will link how to get a hold of you in the show notes, but what would be the best way for them to engage with you after this interview? Um, So I'm very big on Instagram. That is Ken's So Cool. So K-E-N-Z-S-O and then cool, like my last name, K-U-H-L, not C-O-O-L. Um, and then my Twitter is Kenzie Coleman, K U H L M A N N. Um, those are probably the two best ways to connect with me. Um, I'm not really an avid user of many other social media platforms. So another wise thing for you, you've got to focus and (laughs) do one or two things. Also, we'll make sure to have those linked and then people can get a hold of you and we can watch your star rise because we know it's going far. Thank you so much, Kenzie. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed this. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.